praying about what uh, what message I'd like to bring about trees this morning. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about trees. And in the very opening pages of the Bible, we're told that God created all the trees. And he said, Adam and Eve, you may eat freely of all the trees. And then there was a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, of course, the Bible tells us that Jesus suffered for us on the tree of Calvary. So a lot of things about trees. But I wanted to have a relatively short sermon this morning. So I'm not going to preach about all the trees in the Bible. But I want to preach about a tree that God wants you to be like. In Psalm 1, it's an introductory psalm to the book of Psalms. It says, blessed is the man. And all of us really want to be blessed, don't we? And God wants us to be blessed. They're just blessed, blessed, blessed all throughout the Bible. And this word for blessed here is actually a, a plural word. It's all, it, it really says the blessednesses, the blessednesses uh, to the man. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, that is on his word, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree. A tree that is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. But they are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. You know, I want to be blessed, don't you? I want to be a blessed man. And this applies to women, girls, and boys, too. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a, a man. But a blessed is the person who does not do some things. If we're going to be blessed, there's some things we have to not be, and then there's something that we must do. And he says uh, he does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You ever hear any ungodly counsel today? Just about every time you turn on your television, you hear some ungodly counsel. Just about every time that you go out into the uh, public, you may hear some ungodly counsel. And if you ask advice from anybody who is not a Bible-believing Christian, you'll probably hear some ungodly counsel. There's lots of ungodly counsel today. And he says that a man who is going to be blessed of the Lord does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But, of course, it would mean by the opposite that he does walk in the counsel of the godly. And there are some godly counselors today. I was telling our Sunday school class this morning, it's so heartbreaking for me. I meet with lots of people who come for counsel. That's um, probably more of what I do than just about anything else. And it's so sad when I give biblical counsel, clear, just spell it out. This is what God, it's not my advice. This is what God says you are to do. And then to see them walk out and say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. 
And sometimes they'll even say, well, somebody else told me I ought to do this, I ought to do that. I say, yeah, but that's not what the Bible says. God says, you do this. And the Bible says those that walk in the counsel of the wicked will not be blessed. And if you walk in the counsel of the wicked, it won't be long until you're standing in the way of sinners. If you don't listen to truth, if you don't listen to wise counsel, you will begin to move into the direction of people who are thinking just as wrongly as you are. And so you'll begin to, you hear the counsel of the ungodly, and then you stand in the way of sinners. But if you do that for a while, after a while, you have to make a decision. Am I going to reject God's truth, or am I going to reject the counsel of the world? Am I going to practice my sin? Am I going to keep sinning, or am I going to listen to what God says? And listen, our behavior often determines our theology. Now think about that for just a minute. If a person is living in sin and he's confronted with the truth of God's word, he must do one of two things. He must either reject his sin, turn from his sin, or he has to reject the word of God. And today, throughout our land, we have people who not only are not turning from their sin, they're actually celebrating their sin. I'm so thankful for the ruling this last week by our Supreme Court that favored protection for unborn children in their mother's womb. Amen? Amen. And uh, by the way, it's a decision that should never have had to be made, and it's sad that it took almost 50 years for it to be made, but thank God it was finally made. But if, if people say, I'm not going to turn from my sin, that's what the word repent basically means, to ch change the way you think about your sin. If I'm not going to change the way I think about my sin, then I must change the way I think about God and about God's Word. If I will not reject my sin, eventually I have to reject God. And when that happens, the Bible says this person becomes a scorner, a scoffer. He begins to make fun of the truth of God's Word. So if you're going to be blessed, and I want you to be blessed, Man, I tell you what, I just want to see the blessednesses of God poured all over all of us. But in order for that to happen, especially all you young people, listen up really carefully here. Because you're going to hear more counsel from ungodly uh, counsel than you will hear from godly counsel. You spend an hour a week in church. And you spend dozens of hours a week out among people who can and probably will give you ungodly counsel. And 
if you're on your cell phone or iPad, television, things like that, you're going to hear ungodly counsel. And you have to know how to recognize it as wrong. And the way you do that is you measure it against what God says. What does God say? And people ask me, you know, well, what's your opinion about such and such? I say, well, my opinion really doesn't matter. And your opinion doesn't matter. But what God says about it makes all the difference in the world. And that's the reason I don't give people my opinion. I say, the Bible says. God says. God declares certain things are right, certain things are wrong. And whether I like it or not, whether my opinion agrees with it or not, it does, by the way, but whether it does or not, doesn't really matter. It's what God has said. And so, uh, blessed is the man who will not listen to the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. Doesn't it just grieve your heart to hear God's name and Jesus' name taken in such trivial ways, and even profane ways? I mean, I hate to hear any kind of profanity. I hate to hear any kind of uh, uh, filthy talk. The Bible tells us, let no filthy talk go out of your mouth. But it's, it's one thing for people to use some filthy language. That's terrible. But I tell you, when they use blasphemy, when they take God's name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and use it in trivial, profane ways. The Bible says God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And somebody says to me, well, you know, I just, I just curse a little, you know. Well, I'd be like, well, I just murder a little, you know. I only kill one or two people a week. You know, I don't do. You'd think, well, that'd be terrible. Well, I'm going to tell you, the same list of commandments that say not to murder says not to take God's name in vain. So it's a serious thing. So if I don't do those things, and by the way, it's not enough to just not do those things. If I'm going to be blessed, it's not, it's not based on just what I don't do. But it's based on what I do. And he says, blessed is the man that doesn't do these three things, but he delights in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. It's in his heart. It's in his mind. And you know, you can do that. You can give serious thought to the Word of God. Just take you a passage of Scripture. It can just be a, you know, the first, the first Scripture I ever memorized, and a Scripture passage I ever memorized, was in Vacation Bible School when I was nine years old. And uh, Miss Hadley was our, uh, our Bible school teacher, 
and she had us memorize the story of the lost sheep. There was a man who had a hundred sheep, and one of them went astray, and and he left the ninety-nine in the in the uh, safe place, and he went after the one that was lost. And as she had us memorize that passage of scripture. And so many times over the years, I've just thought about that, that story. And here, here's the way you meditate on the passage of Scripture. You take that story, and you, just, you think about it from every possible way. Think of it from the lost sheep's perspective. Think of it from the other sheep's perspective. Think of it from the mother sheep's perspective. <laughs> think of it from the shepherd's perspective. And you just kind of walk through it and you think about, you meditate on it. The word for meditate in the Bible is the word that's used to describe a cow that chews its cud. All you, you boys and girls know what a cud is? Any of you know what a cud is? When a when a cow goes out into the field and he starts eating, she starts eating some grass, she'll eat and eat and eat, and you think, well, I guess she's full. But, and she may be full. But after a little while, you'll see her standing in the barn maybe, and all of a sudden she's chewing again. And you think, well, I didn't see her eat anything. Well, she didn't eat anything. She took what she ate earlier, and it went into one of her stomachs. It's kind of the uh, preliminary stomach, and she brings it back up. And she chews on it and said, hmm, I didn't get all the goodness out of it the first time. And she chews it and chews it, and then she swallows it again. And a little while later, she'll bring it back up again. And she'll chew it some more. Now, I know that sounds nasty, doesn't it, to us. You know, I wouldn't want to do that. But, but that's the word that's used for meditate. And the Bible, the idea is that we read a passage of Scripture and we don't just say, well, that was good. No, we say, that was tasty, but I'm not finished with it. And we bring it back up into our heart and mind and we chew on it a little bit longer. And then more and more and more and more. And you can take one verse of Scripture and meditate on it during the day and even in the night. The Bible talks about in the night watches. When I am on my bed, I am meditating on the Word of God. You say, well, isn't that a lot of trouble? Well, you know, it's really not because you've got to be thinking of something all the time. Don't you? Everybody thinks of something. You're thinking of something right now. I hope it's kind of related to what I'm saying. But our mind is not ever completely idle. We're, we're thinking of something. And we choose what to think about. And I can, I can choose to meditate on the Word of God. And I can take a passage of Scripture, and I can chew on it and chew on it. And I don't think I will ever, ever get all of the flavor 
out of any passage of Scripture. There's always more there. So the man who meditates on it day and night, he then becomes like a tree. A tree planted by streams of water. It's tree, it's a living thing. And you know, you as Christians, we're called living stones. We're actually called parts of the body of Christ. We are alive in Christ. And so this tree is a living, it has vitality. It also has stability. It is planted. It is secured. It is planted and it's planted by streams of water so that it constantly has a supply of, uh, of, of water to, to keep it healthy. And then it yields its fruit. It's fruitful. And it is, its leaf does not wither. It is evergreen, we might say. And all that he does, he prospers. Now, that doesn't mean that he gets rich. I, I hear so much preaching in America about prosperity, and it's almost always in terms of money and health and material possessions. And it's almost always done by rich preachers who have benefited from the gifts of people that they're making these promises to. I tell you, when the Bible talks about prosperity, it's not talking about possessions. It's talking about knowing God and prospering spiritually. The prosperity gospel, I told you, I preached in Liberia, I preached in Bulgaria and some other places, and prosperity preaching makes no sense there but some of the most joyful people I ever met in my life were in the poorest countries of the world and some of the most miserable people may be people who have a lot of money and a lot of possessions but they don't know God so he's like a tree planted by the water, and he prospers in all that he does. But the wicked are not so. They're like the chaff. So there's two pictures here. There's straw, and there's a tree. A planted tree and tumbleweeds. A tree that is secured and planted, and then the chaff that the wind blows away. I know uh, the way they winnowed wheat in biblical days they would take the wheat and they would pitch it up in the air and then catch it and on a windy day the wheat was heavy enough that it would fall back into the uh, into the container but the chaff the wind would blow it away that's the picture it has here and what he's saying is that the wicked will not Stand. They will not survive when the wind of God's judgment blows. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So set before us in this passage are basically two ways. 
the way of the wicked, the way of the righteous. The whole book of Psalms actually builds on this, this single psalm right here. And I would just ask you today, in which of those ways are you walking? Jesus described it this way. He said there, there are two ways. There's a straight way. There's a narrow way. And not many go in that way. There's a narrow gate, and not many enter that way. But there is a broad way. There is a popular way. There is a, 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 a way that most people take. And the Bible even says there is a way that seems right to a man. Seems to make sense. Well, who wouldn't want to go this way? But the end of that way, the ways of death. I had a horrible nightmare many years ago. I dreamed this is totally not theological, but it was a nightmare. I dreamed that I was uh, going down this path, and there the road split, and there was a big spider web in this way, and then this way was open. Again, totally not theological. Just, just I don't know what I'd eaten for supper that night or anything, but I, it was weird. And so I, I knew that I was taken away either to heaven or to hell in my dream. And so I thought, well, I bet the spider web is a, a warning, so I won't go that way. So I took the other way, and I got down the road a little ways, and I heard people laughing and uh, just a lot of raucous behavior. And I came around the corner, and it was a huge swimming pool. And I thought, ah, paradise. And I run, jumped in the swimming pool, and there were people in there, and they were laughing and everything. Again, totally not theological. Not even right. It's just what I dream. But in that pool, I said, uh, where is Jesus? Everything fell deadly silent. And people looked at me, and they said, don't say that name here. You can never mention that name here. And I said, is this not heaven? And they all began to laugh. And they said, no, this is not heaven. And that's when I woke up screaming. And I thought, what a, what a weird dream. And now you're thinking, what a weird preacher. <laughs> and it was a weird dream. But the point I got from that is that you could have the whole world and not have Jesus, and you'd be a pauper. And if you were, and to me, heaven is not about golden streets. It's not about gates of pearl. They're, I believe in them, but that's not what, when I, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be, examining the streets and checking out the gates I'm asking one question where's Jesus where's Jesus I want to see him and whatever we've been through in this life will suddenly mean be totally meaningless it will be worth it all when we see him 
Life's trials will seem so small when we see him. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Are you going to see him? If you are delighting in his truth, loving his word, avoiding the counsel of the wicked, not standing in the way of sinners, not sitting in the seat of scoffers, but delighting in the word of God. You'll see him because the righteous will stand in his presence. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this psalm that reminds us that our life can be like a tree or it can be like chaff that is blown away in the judgment. And I pray today in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus, I ask you to work in every heart here today. And if there's any person here who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal, redemptive way, that they might come, even during our invitation, and say, I want to know Jesus. And I pray that you'll just use this time, this, this psalm in our life, to remind us that we can be like a tree planted by the waters, but it's not automatic. We must meditate on your word. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.